Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we dive into real conversation about photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. And now, let's dive into conversation. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks for jumping in with us today. I appreciate you being here, and maybe even just a little bit more, I appreciate my new friend, Mario Masidi. Now, am, am I pronouncing your last name correct, Mario? That is as good as it's going to get. <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. Well, like many of our interviewees that I've had on the Boca podcast recently, I haven't had the opportunity to meet Mario in person yet. So along with our Boca podcast listeners, I'm going to get to know you a little bit, Mario, today, and I'm excited about that. We're also going to be talking about senior photography, which is something that we haven't actually really gotten into on the Boca podcast as of yet. And uh, so I'm excited to dive into a new topic you are a senior photographer extraordinaire and also an educator in that field. So we'll be going there here in just a bit. Uh, before we get into the personal element of our conversation, though, I'd like to get our listeners started with a big value add or takeaway. If, if they had to turn the podcast off after five minutes, I still want them to walk away with something. And uh, so in light of this conversation about senior photography, I'm really curious if you were to start your senior photography business today from scratch, what's one thing that you would do differently and, and why? You know, I think what I would do is look at my market first and then create, you know, images that they want. And I think a lot of photographers go about this the opposite way. They they try and create a style that they want and then they try and, you know, sell that to their market. And sometimes I think that can be, you know, almost a backwards way of thinking. So a lot of, uh, you know, what I did when I first started was just shoot a style that I personally loved and that I personally wanted. And it turns out that that wasn't exactly what my market wanted. So if I got the chance to do it all over again, I would definitely start with, you know, the industry first and the market first and the clients first versus um, just trying to figure out my own personal style. Oh, I love this. Okay, so I have to I'm going to play the devil's advocate and ask the question that probably a lot of photographers is popping into their head. They're artists. They want to produce their art, their version of how they see the world and give that to a client. And they want to get the clients who want to buy that particular style of art, how would you respond to them? I think that at some point you have to decide whether you're going to be an artist or a business. I think that there are a handful of people that can do both extremely well. But I would say that for the majority of people, they're going to have to make a decision on whether they want to be artists or whether they want to be business owners. And so my focus is definitely, you know, kind of going business first. I wanted to be a photographer that was going to be around for a really long time. And so I think I kind of identifying that I wanted to create a sustainable business. And so while I definitely think there are avenues that I can still, you know, express myself artistically, I found that, um, you know, focusing on my, on my business side has really helped me, you know, still be here today, essentially. I love it. And this is, this is perfect advice for all of us. It's a good reminder for me, even I've haven't photographed, I shot weddings for about a decade and I haven't photographed a client now in about five years, but in the businesses that I'm involved in currently, that's also a good reminder because it's easy for me to get my blinders on and focus on just kind of what's in front of me, which is what I think or how I see the world, how I see the photography industry and what it needs. And at the end of the day, it's really simple to just ask, what would you like? And the, the cool thing too about this uh, that I always, that I find fascinating is that it's not the, the notion of business and art 
aren't mutually exclusive. So even if you are gearing your photography business, as you said so wonderfully, to, to make it a sustainable business, something that would be around for a long time, that doesn't mean that you can't still practice your art in some form or fashion. So let's say you spend you know, 60, 70% of, of your time during the week focusing on building that photography business, which still gives you a creative outlet, but then maybe you spend a segment of your time during the week as a photographer, and hopefully you have a bit of freedom as a business owner, um, focusing on whatever you consider your art. And then at some point in time, maybe those that, that the, the art and business will cross paths in some way. But I, I, this is really great piece of advice. Um, it's easy to get focused on what we want versus what the client wants. And I think if we allow the client to, to let us know and kind of shift our, our style of business and even photography in that direction, we'll still have the opportunity also to practice our art. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. So this is wonderful business or wonderful advice rather for our businesses to get us started. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Let's go ahead and take a step back. I want to get to know you a little bit. You're based currently in, in Venice, California. Is that right? That's right. And are you originally from that area? No, I've only been out here for about uh, two and a half, three years or so. And I uh, grew up in Denver. So I grew up in Colorado. Well, I have to say, like of the two locations in the U.S. that you might have the opportunity to live, you, you picked two really great spots. <laughs> they Well, I didn't I didn't take the first one. I OK, fair enough. Fair the enough. Second one. But <laughs> yeah, they're they're both uh, they're extremely different. But they're I mean, they're both stunning and wonderful places. Now, did you have a photography business in Denver or did you wait to start until you got to California? Yeah. So actually, most of my photography is still based in Colorado. So even though I've been out in L.A. for the past couple of years, I still travel back uh, very frequently, especially during the summer times to uh, to maintain that business. OK, that makes sense. So you have the opportunity to kind of be in both environments, which I, I can imagine is just incredible for your photography. I, I can still and I, I think I've told the story at least once or twice before on the podcast, but I can still remember years ago I went out to California to take a workshop from Mike Cologne. And we were in Orange County, out on the beach, middle of the day, three o'clock in the afternoon. And this was back in like 2005, 2006, something like that. And so at the time, I was shooting with a Nikon D1X, which was, uh, for anybody that's been shooting for a little while, you know, the camera was, for its time, it was okay, but the dynamic range was just terrible. And so <laughs> in Tennessee, at three o'clock in the afternoon, you try to photograph uh, a bride with her white dress on in the middle of the day with the sun overhead, maybe a little bit of clouds. Um, you're going to get some some terrible blown highlights and some dark eyes and so forth. I I didn't have to do anything with that camera. I think I, I set it on aperture priority, and the the light was just dead on every single time. So you've got this beautiful light on the California coast. You've got the stunning scenery there, as well as the incredible scenery in, in the Denver area. Um, you're a pretty lucky photographer. It's Yeah, shooting in California is definitely... Uh, easier. And I love that when I go back to Colorado, I kind of have to, to re-gear and go back to my roots a little bit and, and remind myself that there are stronger highlights and shadows For sure. in Colorado than there are in California. Well, it's good. It kind of challenges your, your skills and your creativity as a photographer. So that's, that's really great. Speaking of photography, I know that a lot of your time is spent in photography and educating photographers as well. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Uh, but what's something that you do outside of photography, a, a pastime, a hobby? I do uh, a couple of different things. I grew up uh, snowboarding and racing cars. And so 
you know, moving to California, I definitely uh, picked up surfing and I've been loving that. It gets a little cold in the wintertime for surfing, but uh, I, I still love racing cars and I, I love working on, you know, other entrepreneurial startups. So that's also, you know, a huge passion of mine. Okay, this is a this is a gamut of interests, which I love. Uh, just makes you that much more an interesting person. But I, I what, what I got really stuck on was cars. I just began riding motorcycles in the last year or so, so that the automotive world has become even more interesting to me. But what kind of cars are you racing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I started off with uh, Hondas and VWs, and then moved to uh, Audis and, and BMWs, and uh, uh, used to you know build them and wrench on them and and race them out in Colorado myself and. Uh, have just kind of enjoyed that since I was, you know, 15 years old. Wow. Well, that might be a whole separate podcast episode in itself. <laughs> That's, that sounds really, really interesting. Um, maybe off air, I'm going to have to break into a list of questions just about that. But um, that, that's, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty fascinating. Well, back to photography. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned being in, in Denver when you got started in your photography career. How long ago was that? That was... I want to say just about 10 years now. It's been, uh, it was, it was around 2006, 2007, uh, when I started to, you know, photograph portraits for, for money. So it's, it's been about 10 years now. Wow. Okay. And, and so you've, you've broken the, the, the average, what is the average failure rate? It's like the first three years or something like that. So you're way beyond that. And, and you said going into it, you wanted to build a sustainable business, which is, uh, impressive. Just simply having that goal in mind means that you're going to approach things differently. Um, and obviously you have, but how did you actually get started in, in photography? A lot of it was, uh, my market has a really strong, uh, senior portrait presence. And so, uh, Colorado is really known for, for senior pictures and for weddings. And so when I first started, I, uh, you know, shot weddings for about a year and started to, uh, drop into a couple senior portraits here and there and, and realize that there was the potential to make, uh, more in senior portraits than there were in weddings. And that was kind of a light bulb moment as far as the, you know, I went into photography with the pretense, uh, that shooting weddings was going to be, you know, the most profitable way. And, uh, quickly realized that I didn't love weddings as much as I thought I did. Okay. And so, uh, started to, uh, focus more on the, on the senior portrait brand and, and really enjoyed that. Now, I'm kind of curious, and I'm sure some photographers might be curious as well. When you say that senior photography can be more lucrative than wedding photography, you know, immediately comes to mind, uh, you know, I was shooting weddings, six, seven thousand, ten thousand dollars How, how does senior photography, how is senior photography more lucrative? Is it, is it the per hour dollar figure that you're, you have in mind or what is it about? Yeah, I think, you know, I think if you look at like, let's say the top 10% of wedding photographers are going to make X and, you know, you're going to have your mid range, you know, about 50% are going to make, you know, Y. And so when I started, I was definitely in that mid range wedding photographer, you know, charging between, you know, two and $3,000. And that was, uh, you know, Colorado's market at the time. There were there were very few photographers that I knew of that were charging more than that. Yeah. And there were plenty of high school senior photographers that were charging, you know, two to three thousand dollars. And so the kind of threshold to get to that point was a lot uh, easier, I would say. And so it definitely inspired me uh, from the business perspective of being able to, you know, generate, you know, a little bit better revenue. And then absolutely, I mean, the time put into, you know, a senior for uh, you know, three to $5,000 is still significantly less than, you know, a wedding. That's um, amazing. I mean, I, I was yeah. in the photography industry. I have been in the photography industry since about 2001. Uh, I had no idea that, that, um, 
or if I'd heard, I'd certainly forgotten that, that three to $5,000 was possible from a senior session. That's incredible. Maybe we can get into that here in a little bit uh, as to how you go about charging that, that type of price point. Um, Absolutely. It's, in, it's interesting that you mentioned, too, the market itself. When you, you're, you were considering the photography market and how many photographers were crammed into each segment of that market, the numbers are actually a little bit more extreme um, than what most might imagine. The last time I looked, I think the 2016 numbers that I saw, about 83% of, of weddings were photographed for $1,700 and below. Wow. And then the next 10 to 12, 13% are photographed between that $1,700 and $4,000 mark. And okay. then only in the top 5% or so are actually shooting weddings that go above $4,000. And, and so you've got this mass of the, the wedding photographer or photography industry crowding that, that top you know, 15% of the space or so while you get this wide open potential market down on the, on the very bottom end that's just not being consistently served in an effective way. But um, it's really, it's a smart, it's an intelligent business move on your part to have considered the market, where it stood, where your opportunities were, and then to go after that senior market based on, on data, on numbers, which is something yeah. that as photographers, I was certainly guilty of as well, that we don't always consider. So that's, that's a really good lesson in and of itself. Now, you landed on senior photography, I remember, in fact, years ago, I actually photographed for LifeTouch um, okay. and I was still trying to kind of make ends meet and supplement income. And um, they were LifeTouch is, a, is a, a senior photography brand that I think is still running nationwide. Um, let's say 10 years ago, the, the idea of competing with that brand was not as commonplace. And I think that has shifted, whereas now that the notion of custom senior photography uh, or boutique senior photography like you're offering is more commonplace. But would you say that um, photographers, boutique studios have taken over that market or are the, the, big, the big companies like LifeTouch still running the show? What does it look like? You know, I think there's definitely still a time and a place for, uh, you know, volume photography, which is what I would say LifeTouch does. I think they do a lot of, uh, you know, sport uh, photography for, uh, teams and schools and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think that their business model for a very long time was incredible. I mean, I think they really were able to bring affordable photography to a lot of people. So I think that what they did was fantastic and is fantastic. I also know a lot of uh, boutique photographers who have actually branched out their studio and created their own volume-based uh, brand, essentially, to tackle LifeTouch. So with that, with that said, I don't I don't see, you know, somebody as LifeTouch uh, as a, I don't think I've ever seen them as a direct competitor. I think the type of products that we're delivering are, are completely different. And I would be really surprised if I had a, a client that was like, well, we're deciding between you and LifeTouch and we just can't really make a decision. For sure. So I think they're, I think they're both accomplishing really different things, but I would definitely say that the, the senior market, the senior brand has definitely evolved into uh, demanding that kind of boutique and, and unique experience. That is something that, you know, like you said, I don't think life touch can really deliver on that front. That's great. But you know, you also make a really interesting point there that I think is another good reminder and a lesson for the photographers listening in, which is that, uh, certain businesses are geared or ideally wh whether it's the photographers listening or, or other companies out there, life, like, like life touch, other photography studios, if they're intelligent, they're, they're going after a very specific segment of the market. It makes marketing a lot easier um, and ultimately it can certainly enable 
probably more success uh, or more consistent success as a business when you have a very specific segment of the market that you're going after. And LifeTouch is going after a certain segment um, that can afford their services versus a boutique studio like yours. It's easy to get frustrated, um, and I've experienced this time and time again. In fact, when I first got started in photography, I remember I was still charging, and I was shooting film at the time, too, so how I afforded to do this, I'm, I'm not quite <laughs> sure. But um, when I first got started, I was we were charging, I think, like for a base wedding package, like 600 bucks. And it undercut the local wedding market. In I, I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the Chattanooga area in Tennessee, a small market, very traditional market. And it undercut the, the local market as far as the price point was concerned. And the local photographers got very frustrated, you know, that we were doing just that, that we were, they thought we were undercutting their services and kind of cheapening, I guess, the, the marketplace. And the reality is that if they were going after a $3,000 client or a $5,000 client or even a $2,000 client, that's a whole different income bracket um, who yep. is likely not interested in seeming so cheap as to hire a $600 photographer. So keep in mind that, that there are various segments of the market to, to serve. It's certainly intelligent to market, to, to, to go after, to have a business plan that is geared specifically toward that particular market segment. And don't be so quick to get upset at somebody else charging more or less than you. If you're, if you're focused on serving the clients in your lane, uh, your figurative lane, uh, then, then you're going to be okay. And so I think that's a really good reminder that there are businesses geared toward different segments of the market. I think you're absolutely right on that. So let's, I, I want to ask you a question about senior photography, something that's kind of bothered me a little bit, and I haven't had the opportunity really to talk to a senior photographer about this very much, but I've noticed a trend in senior photography for a while, and I think I've even seen this on the trade show floor at WPPI. Um, the images that are being displayed from senior photographers, in many cases, there's a tendency to sexualize the, the female subjects in particular, and I, I just find it disturbing. We're talking about 17 and you know, 18 year old seniors. This is not boudoir photography. Uh, and yet this is happening left and right. And I, I look at your por portfolio and your website and your images are visually extremely appealing, but you're not over centralizing the senior that you're photographing. And um, so I wanted to kind of get your take on this. I don't know if there's conversation happening amongst senior photographers about this, if people are speaking up about it. And I'm also curious to get your recommendation as to how photographers find a balance and, and the way that, or not even a balance, how they avoid this kind of sexualization of senior photography. Yeah, I think, I think it's a huge, I don't want to say it's a huge problem, but I definitely think it, it needs to be a, a topic of conversation. Uh, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely concerned me as well. You know, this is, this has been a trend since I started. So if you imagine a, uh, you know, 20 year old, uh, male starting to shoot high school seniors, uh, you know, it only takes one pissed off dad at an ordering session to, to clean up your style <laughs> real for sure. quick. For sure. But, uh, you know, my, my goal with, you know, shooting my seniors was, you know, to create a, a photograph that they really enjoyed today and a photograph that they would absolutely love in a couple of years. And I, I think personally, I really wanted to find that balance on like the image having enough trend and enough, like, you know, present day. But I really wanted them to love it even more down the road. So, you know, I I personally, I've just never been attracted to that style of photography. I just, I think there's a time and a place for it. I, for sure. I admire lots of, um, 
you know, uh, lingerie photographers and a lot of celebrity photographers, I think they do some really great stuff. But, you know, I think that it's absolutely possible to photograph seniors in a non-sexual way and still create, you know, really captivating work. And so, you know, one of the things I don't want to jump too far ahead, but one of the one of the courses I'm wrapping up talks um, specifically about styling and it talks about the pre-planning process, you know, where a photographer can really dictate the styling. And then also the corrective process. So when you have a client who shows up with, uh, you know, a terrible wardrobe or, or overly sexualized looks, you can still style and shoot that and, and sell it in a really nice way. So I, I definitely, you know, I definitely wish this conversation happened more because I think, I think, you know, senior photographers have a lot of power. You know, I think what, what we do is to really create a positive influence. You know, there's so much media that, seniors consume these days. And so personally, I just want to be just a little, you know, glimmering light of positive influence as they're kind of going through this, this time in their life. For sure. For sure. Well, I think you summed it up really well when you said there's a time and place. There's no question. There's absolutely stunning artwork being created out there by various boudoir photographers and otherwise. Um, but there is a time and place for that. And this just doesn't seem to be the time and place for that. It just doesn't seem appropriate. And so I appreciate your sharing your take on that. And if you guys want to see great examples of how to tastefully approach senior photography, make sure, and we'll mention these, these links again at the end, but make sure to check out Mario's work on Instagram. It's the, the, the handle is sessions with Mario, just like it sounds. And you can see beautiful examples of his work there, as well as if you go to just Mario Masiti, M-A-S-I-T-T-I.com, you can see his portfolio there as well. So Speaking of senior photography and how to most effectively approach senior photography, um, you are creating courses for educational courses for professional photographers, helping them learn how to approach senior photography effectively. And with that in mind, I, I'm wondering if you might just be willing to share maybe three or four steps how photographers can begin to break into the senior photography market, because it seems like there is a wonderful opportunity there. There, there does seem to be a tendency to kind of crowd the wedding photography market or maybe the family portrait market, but it seems like there's a wonderful opportunity to, to delve into the senior photography market. And I just wonder if you would share maybe some, some thoughts, some ideas, some advice on how to best approach that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the first thing that I think is really important is that, you know, a boutique senior market doesn't exist everywhere. So, you know, when I work with photographers, whether it's one on one or I'm teaching at workshops or anything like that, you know, I let them know that, you know, competition confirms validity. And so I have a lot of photographers who say, yeah, nobody's doing senior pictures in my market. This is a huge opportunity for me to dive into. And, you know, typically what I start with is, you know, if, if nobody's doing it, it's probably for a good reason. So definitely, you know, go into it with a really strong, you know, uh, minds, you know, headspace on that. But, you know, as far as like a kind of a step by step, you know, it depends on where the photographer's um, level is, you know, start obviously starting with a good portfolio makes things so much easier. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need to be a lot, but even just five strong photo shoots will really propel their um, you know, their, their, their brand forward. And I think a lot of photographers need to be able to work for free and, and hustle a little bit. And I think, you know, both photographers and educators, they forget what the beginning looks like. They, they, you know, they don't remember that time when they didn't charge a lot. And so they, they kind of glaze over the fact that they just went from, you know, they give this kind of persona that they went from zero to $5,000 overnight. <laughs> right. And I think that's, um, you know, something that I, 
you know, teach is, is, you know, creating this kind of step-by-step plan where it's like, let's get you from zero to a hundred dollars. Let's get you from a hundred dollars to $500. And then let's get you from $500 to a thousand dollars. And my goal is to get people, you know, to comfortably get there and, and feel like they can see those little, you know, wins and successes. And, and I think that, you know, there definitely needs to be a level of, you know, kind of patience and respect, you know, to the game essentially as well. I, th- I think that's a really great point too. You know, the, and we've talked about this before on on this podcast, but the idea of kind of setting ego aside, uh, it's it, at the certainly at the beginning and, and really out throughout our business. It's at the end, it's not about us. In fact, you even alluded to that at the very beginning when you were talking about your business model. It's right. not it's not about us, and and we can't just expect to dive in and charge three thousand dollars for our our photography to get going. We if we're going to create an, a portfolio of images, like you said, even just five images to begin with likely that's going to mean reaching out to friends and or family and saying, hey, look, I'd love to just photograph your, in this case, your, your senior for you. I can do the session. It's not going to, there's not going to be any cost to you and do that three or four or five or 10 times for that matter. And it gives you an opportunity to hone your skills. It also gives you an opportunity to build a portfolio. And if, if you're intelligent about it, you're going to get the, the, the money that you quote lost in the process of giving those free sessions back, you know, 10 times or a hundred times down the road. But initially setting ego aside and, and just being willing to do the work is really, really important. And then prior to that, you mentioned the importance of market awareness too. I, and you stressed this earlier on. I, I think the intelligence of approaching a business and a business model with an awareness of what the market looks like and it, whether or not there's even an opportunity there, I think is, is really, really smart. So these are two great reminders to get us started. Um, keep going. This is good. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think just to kind of wrap up that, that idea, you know, a person that I love to follow, uh, Gary Vee, he talks about kind of the micro hustle and the macro patience. And I, I've seen this happen a lot with photographers where, you know, they get frustrated because they work on their business for a couple months and they're not seeing a lot of changes in there. It's one of those things where I think, you know, if you're trying to to really build a sustainable, you know, brand doesn't matter for any, any type of photography style. Like I think you need to be patient with it. I think we've kind of grown up, you know, in this world over the past couple of years where people are scared to work hard and wait a little bit. And so a lot of my, a lot of my education definitely comes on creating just these small milestones. I think a lot of people don't break it down enough to, you know, they're like, well, let's get you from zero to $3,000. And so, you know, I really like to create you know, more of the micro wins. And, and I think that really motivates, you know, photographers and, and business owners to, to keep at it and to, you know, enjoy the process along the way. That's, man, that's such great advice. And by the way, I'm going to create a t-shirt, t-shirt now that says work hard, comma, wait a little bit. Uh, I'll make sure to, to split the proceeds with you. That's, that's a great Please little do. quote. <laughs> just, just send me a t-shirt. We'll call it good. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really, really good. And yeah, we're, I'm, I'm certainly a Gary Vee fan and, um, it's, it's a great point that you make that the difference between the macro game and the micro game, there are small steps that we may need to take and, and even act quickly on, but the macro, the bigger picture, it's really important to keep that in mind. I was just chatting with a friend of mine about this the other day, the importance of that, that long-term play or series of plays and being okay with, as you're saying, waiting a little bit. Uh, so great reminder. Keep going. This is great. Let's see. Uh, yeah, as far as, as far as the starting side, you know, I think a lot of there's the way I see it is there's the balance of the, the quality of images that you shoot in regards to what your market is wanting and, and then also just your skills as a business person. And I think a lot of 
a lot of what I teach is, you know, if you're a great marketer, then you don't need to shoot as well. If you shoot really well, then you don't need to be as great of a marketer. But I think photographers need to take a really pragmatic approach with how they're doing that. And so I think for people who don't shoot as well, but they have great business skills, they're going to, they're going to do fine. They're going to do fine for a really long time. And I think equally, you know, we see a lot of photographers who shoot amazing work and they don't have to market for it because they've, they've kind of carved out that niche that, that their, their clients are, are demanding. So I think a lot of it, you know, kind of like we spoke earlier, is just finding that balance of the, the images versus the marketing and, you know, kind of where the bulk of, of, of your work stands in that, in that regard, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, uh, and would you just, I mean, if you were to break it down, would you say like a 70, 30 focus on business versus photography, 80, 20, 60, 40? I mean, like what, what would that look like in your mind if you were just throw out some numbers? Well, I think, you know, see, and I, I think that it doesn't, there's multiple ways to go about it. I think if you focused, you know, 70% on creating amazing images and only 30% marketing, I think that person can make six figures a year. I think if somebody focused, you know, 70% on marketing and only 30% on their images, I think they're still possible to hit six figures a year. I would say that you just need to bet on your strengths. And so for me, uh, you know, when I first started, I was not a marketing person. So I, I had to shoot better images because there was no way that I was going to be able to figure out the marketing side. Whereas I think, you know, somebody who's really savvy in the business and marketing side or sales side, they, they need to focus on that. So I think a lot of photographers aren't betting on their strengths. They're, um, you know, focusing a lot on, let's say social media or, uh, you know, Facebook ads and things like that, where they're just, they're not good at them. And, and so they're wasting a lot of their time where they could just be focusing on their imagery. And I think, you know, the, the opposite is true as well. You know, you have these, um, these photographers that are, that produce decent work, but they're just killer marketers. I mean, they just crush their entire brand. And I think they should double down on that and really focus on, on what they're good at. So I don't think there's really a right or wrong on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, and, and this is something else that, Gary does talk about uh, as well. Gary Vaynerchuk talks about the fact that it's important to focus on your strengths. Uh, I think the caveat, one of the things that he says is, is to, to focus on your strengths and, and basically ignore your weaknesses. I think he's in a position having a, a massive staff where he has kind of the luxury of doing just that and just kind of delegating uh, the rest to everybody else. Photographers are in a little bit of different position in most cases as sole proprietors where um, they at least in some cases anyway, don't have a choice but to kind of multitask. They're doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But I think it's important to remember, as you say, to focus on your strengths, really develop those as much as possible, um, outsource or delegate those things that you're not as good at. There are companies that you can hire to, whether it's to help you with marketing or to help you with editing, photographer's editor, of course, handles that, Um, album design, these things that either you're not very good at or are just taking up so much time that it's keeping you from focusing on those things that you're really good at. I think it's really intelligent to take advantage of those resources to delegate, to outsource to, and, um, and, and focus on your strengths as you're saying. So this is really great advice. So just to recap, uh, we talked about the importance of developing market awareness. First of all, just look to see if there's even an opportunity to launch into senior photography there in your local market. And if so, make sure that you're actually creating a brand that is distinct, that's unique, that where you have an opportunity to set yourself apart from what photographers are already doing there. That's really, really important. Secondly, put in the work. Be willing to just put yourself out there and do some work for free in order to develop a portfolio. It also help you hone your skills 
which is really, really important. And then focusing, lastly, and the, the third point that you were making, focusing on both the macro and the micro. Be okay with putting in the work and being willing to wait a little bit, uh, but also understand that it's important to move quickly and make micro adjustments in order to build that, that photography, that senior photography business. So these are really great steps, great advice to get our photographers going in that new senior photography business. And I really appreciate you sharing this advice with them. Now we can take it a step further. You've developed full educational course or courses for photographers that want to learn more about how to effectively approach a senior photography business. So if you will, Mario, can you share with our listeners where they can find that information online? Yeah, absolutely. I've actually just launched a brand new course called the high school experience. And so it goes over uh, how to identify what your clients want and to, to look at the um, media that they're consuming and then build, you know, a brand around that. And uh, I have some free online trainings that they can watch and, and really get a great idea of what I'm up to. And all of that can be found at sessionswithmario.com. So it's, it's uh, easy to jump on in and get started. Perfect. And then we mentioned your website earlier as well, mariomasidi.com. Again, it's M-A-R-I-O-M-A-S-I-T-T-I.com. M-A-R-I-O-M-A-S-I-T-T-I.com. Uh, your Instagram account, Sessions with Mario, and uh, Snapchat even. Uh, you, I think you had a listen on your website. It was just Mario Masidi as well. So, yep. yep. The um, names are all over the place. <laughs> that's perfect. No, that's, that's great. I, I can't thank you enough for making time to share with our listeners today. There were lots of nuggets in there that they can take and act on right away. I appreciate you making time for the Boca podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I hope it's helpful. And, and to any of the listeners, feel free to just email me and say hi anytime. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mario. Absolutely, man. Have a great one. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Please let us know what you thought by leaving us a review in iTunes. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.